Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. When you think about our culture, our culture really feeds into emotions or how we feel. In fact, for many, uh, we, we, we take this attitude as to, I can't help how I feel. Anybody ever felt like that before? I just can't help it. I can't help how I feel. Listen, you can't help what color hair you have. You can't help how much hair you do have. But you can help your emotions. Amen. You may say, I I can't help uh, whether or not... uh, uh, Well, listen, there's all kinds of examples. You can help your emotions. I realize that many times we get into this feeling as to, I just can't control it. I just can't help how I feel. But God speaks too much about that. And so one of the things that we've been dealing with is really this side of emotions of feeling overwhelmed, feeling fretful. And for that matter, we've got all kinds of uh, things that help aid in our emotions, don't we? We've got doctors that will, will counsel you and doctor you to help you so you don't feel your emotions. And if you can't get over your emotions, then they'll prescribe you something to help you deal with your emotions, right? But Jesus said and God said that there is something that we can do and we have a choice in the matter of how we feel. Amen? Now, when it comes to our emotions, one of the things that or what we're going to deal with today is the emotion of worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety. And if you don't know it by now, worry and anxiety is a killer. Did you notice that? Have you ex- ever experienced that? In fact, there are many people that find themselves physically sick. There are people that physically die early because of worry and anxiety. And there's something to be said for the power of your mind and your thinking that produce a scenario in your mind or in your life, I should say. There's an individual that I heard of just not too long ago where they were, he was an individual that got locked into a freezer. I don't know if it was at a restaurant or whatever the case might be, but in his thinking, and I don't, again, I don't remember the whole scenario as to how it played out, but he thought, I'm in the freezer and I'm not able to get out and therefore I'm going to freeze to death if nobody finds me. And the thing he didn't realize or didn't know is that the freezer wasn't on. But when they found him the next day, he actually died. And how he died was death by hypothermia. He said, well, the freezer wasn't on. Right. But his mind, his thoughts created a symptom within his body. And because he gave over to anxiety and to worry, he actually died of the thing that he was fretting of. Come on. Our mind is a powerful thing. Our thought life is a powerful thing. And God said, I've given you a choice and I've given you ammunition to deal with the thoughts, the worries, the anxiety in your life. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at a portion of Scripture here. Matthew chapter 6. And just to begin with, I want us to look at verse 25. 
Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry. Everybody say worry. Do not worry about your life. What is our worries most of the time dealing with? It's worrying about our life. He says, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is it not, is not life more than food to the body and more than, to the body more than clothing? He says, do not worry. Don't worry about your life. And actually in John chapter uh, 15, I think it's in verse 2, Jesus says this. He says, my desire is that your life would actually produce fruit and that you would have fruit that, uh, that, that remains or that it would abound. Well, when he says he wants our lives to bear fruit, God actually tells us that there's some fruit that he desires for us to partake of. And the Bible says it's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's what the fruit of the Spirit is. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. He says, I want your life to bear fruit. And the very first three are the things that people desire the most. We desire to love and to be loved. We desire to have joy and happiness. And we desire to have peace. Can you say amen? God says, that's my heart. That's my desire. That your life would bear fruit. And the kind of fruit that Jesus says, I want your life to bear, is good. Man, if people could just step over and live a life where their life is experiencing joy. Many times we settle for happiness. But joy is something that we can experience even when times are rough. How many of you know that your life does not always line up with the way that you desire it to be? There's obstacles that come. There's, there's trials that come. There's things that come out of the blue. And you're thinking, I did not see that one coming. It caught me off guard. And if you let yourself be moved by emotions, you can step over into anxiety, to worry, and to be unhappy. But in the midst of it, Jesus said, if your life is bearing fruit, you can still have joy. And worry is like a root that begins to grow and it begins to affect the fruit in your life. You know, I've got an uh, oak tree that I transplanted, if you will, from the backyard to the front yard. And I thought, well, this would be a great place to put it. Now, I don't know no, much about, about trees and transplanting things, and I'm sure there's things that I could have done to kind of help this little tree out. But it was just a little thing, and I thought, well, you know what? After a few years, it should get some good size on it. But at the base of it, where the roots started to go down, there was this big stripped-out part, if you will, where there was no bark. And I thought, well, you know, somehow it will take root or take life or whatever. And so as I planted it, it did take root and it started to, uh, or I guess it maintained its life. But there's this big part at the very bottom where the roots begin to go in. And still to this day, it is still exposed and there is no bark. And the bark is what brings or produces the life to come up and protects it, right? And because of that bare spot and because of this exposure that, that, that really uh, affects the nutrients from the roots growing up and producing fruit in the life of this oak tree, that little tree is still about the same size as it was when I first planted it. 
Now, where there, there was the exposure of where the bark was peeled back, there's this big honking growth there. And somehow it's trying to protect itself. But it's this big gnarly thing at the base of the tree where that scar was or where it was damaged or where it was exposed. But it's not allowing the tree to produce fruit. And it's still small. It's still a little weak-looking tree. Anxiety and worry has that same effect in our lives. If we allow fear, anxiety, and worry to take root, it will, it will stop, it will uh, 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 determine the growth and the ability of your life to experience the fruit that God desires. The peace, the joy, the fulfillment, the contentment, because we have allowed stress, anxiety, and worry to take over our life. Let's continue reading here. He says this once again in chapter 25, or excuse me, verse 25. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not take or, or do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or nor what you, uh, about your body. What you'll put on is, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 26, he says, look. Now when he says look, He's wanting to get our attention. He says, look, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lily of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even in Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So what's he saying here? These things of your life, these things that all of us want to address or take care of, that gives us opportunity to be fretful or take anxiety. He says, don't worry about these things. And like I said, our culture feeds into this attitude and this emotion of worry and anxiety. It breeds it. It feeds into it. Think about it for a moment. You ever seen that commercial where the old lady, she falls down? And she says, I'm falling and I can't get up. Right? Well, what are they producing? They're telling you, what if? What if there's a scenario where you fall and you can't get up? Who's going to find you? Or they paint this scenario, what if you don't have protection on your home? We're ADT. We are the, uh, the alarm system protector for you. And just in the event that you're gone, who's there to protect your home? What's it doing? It's producing fear and anxiety into your life. If you're a guy like me that likes gizmos and gadgets and thinks kind of that way, you know, there's this commercial for Generac. I think that's what it's called. It's, it's a generator system that you can put on your house. And they start telling you the sales pitch. And they say, you know, our grid for our electronic system in this nation is outdated many decades back. And it's overloaded. And eventually, statistics tell us that it's going to go down. Well, when it goes down, what are you going to do when you don't have any power? You need our product to put, to put juice and power into your home just in the event. And when it does all fall apart, you're protected, right? 
Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Our society, our culture feeds into and produces and breeds anxiety and worry. And even when it comes to your anxiety and your worry, they say, we've got a pill for it. We can fix you. We just discovered this and it's been FDA approved. But then it says, here's a disclaimer. You can lose your eyesight. Your heart could fail. You could start breathing. You could become suicidal. Lose sexual function. You could just, everything about your life can just fall apart. And so if these symptoms occur... Please stop taking it immediately and consult your doctor. So the very pill that is to help your anxiety and worry begins to produce anxiety and worry. Right? And then, on the other side of the coin, we live in a culture that wants to address and fix and take the burden of emotions and anxiety away from our lives. And then this... The, the commercial comes on and you see them all playing out on the, the beach and having a good time and they've got the beer in the hand and they're saying, oh, isn't that life so grand? Let's just have a couple brews and have a couple suds to help us make us feel better. Alcohol is a depressant. I said it's a depressant. But for whatever reason, our culture has bought into this lie that alcohol helps us feel better. Now, I know some of you are saying, it makes me feel better. But here's what it tells us. It tells us that our culture has gotten so depressed, so anxious, and so full of worry that we've turned to the thing that just adds more anxiety, more depression, and more worry. But all it really does is numbs it for a moment. And if we can just escape for a moment, I'm okay. Not realizing just how deep and how dark and how depressed we've become as a people. Now again, you can argue with me all you want. But the truth is the truth. Amen? Our culture is trying to... And do I want to go... No, I'm not even going to go there. I might just mess your day up, so I don't want to do that. <laughs> Come on. We're trying to be free from anxiety and worry. But we're looking to something to fix that. But Jesus said there's an answer. He says there's an answer. Do you want an answer today to be free from anxiety and worry? Once and for all. I said once and for all. Do you want to know what the clue is, what the trick is, what the, what the freedom is for us as believers? Well, if you hang around with me for just a few minutes, I'll share it with you. Worry comes from things that we don't think we have control over. Let me say that again. Worry and anxiety comes from things that you don't think you have control over. Right? We don't think we can fix it. We don't think there's an, a- an answer. We don't think that we can get over what we're feeling or facing in our life. And because we're thinking of it, and because we think it's bigger, because we think we don't have control it begins to produce anxiety, worry, fear, and stress in our lives. And this is one of the biggest tactics of the enemy. But if you're a child of God, if you're a believer, the Bible says that you have authority over that fear and that anxiety. You don't have to be subjected to it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says this. He says, why do you worry about the things... 
that you try to live life with. What you eat, what you drink, where you'll live, the clothes that you put on your back. He says, why do you worry about those things? He says, take a look around. He says, I take care of the birds of the air. He says, but you're more precious and more special than them. He says, why don't you think that I'll take care of you? And then it goes on by saying this. It says, don't worry, but it actually says in the King James Bible, it says, take no thought saying. So how is it that I take a thought of anxiety and worry? To be human is to have thoughts come. To be a believer is to have the enemy come against you and present the scenarios and help produce thoughts in your life. Right? So it is to be human. It is to be natural. But Jesus said, I'm giving you supernatural help here to understand how to address that. He said, the thought comes... But don't take the thought. You may say, well, how do I know whether or not I took the thought or not? Check up on what you're saying. He says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? It is normal to have the thought come. But if you'll give into your mouth, start to bawl and squall, to complain, to fret, you'll have exactly what you fret over. Once again, you'll have contact with those individuals that are dealing with things in their life. And they'll be like, I just can't help it. I just, I just can't help myself. I don't have control of how I feel. You've already said that you don't have control. You've already said you've taken thought. Are you here this morning? When you purpose to engage your mouth with the thought... That's when you take hold of it. That's when you take claim of it. That's when you make it yours. It is to be human to take thought. And do you know that the enemy will come and bring thoughts of sin? And many people will even get into anxiety and worry about that. I can't believe that I'm thinking that. I can't believe that I'd even have a thought that way. It's not sin to have a thought. It's not sin to have a temptation. It's sin when you act upon something that is contrary to the Word of God. Right? Have you ever been driving down the road and been having a bad day and you just have this thought, well, if I just drove into that embankment, somebody would finally care about me. Somebody would recognize that I'm not here, that I have value. They would really love me then. Right? It's silly thinking. Well, where did that thought come from? Normal people don't think about taking their life. Or healthy people, I should say. Nobody in their right mind ever commits suicide. Did you hear me? We get all hung up with people that commit suicide thinking, Dear God, how did they ever get to that place? They gave thought or gave to the thought. They gave to the thought and they begin to hook up their, their words with the thought and finally gave into and subjected themselves to the thought. And as a result, people find themselves getting weak and sickly in their emotions because they give into it. You know, there's... I, I, I'm thinking of 
particular family members. And based upon, and I think I've shared this with you before, but there's family members that have allowed themselves to think on certain things. In fact, for instance, one particular family member has went to a church and because of the things that she went through and the things that she gave to her thought life, she had this idea that this church had a conspiracy against her. And this church was about 7,000 member church. It's a big church. How many of you know that in a church that big, sometimes there's people in that church that you don't even know exist? Right? You know, there's people that will say, I, I was sick, I was in the hospital, and you didn't even care. You didn't even come to see me. It's like, how in the world did we even know that you were in the hospital if you didn't let us know? Well, so this particular woman, she got into a, a place in her life where she was really struggling. And because of that, she took offense against the church. And as a result of allowing her thought life to continue to go in the place of that this church has done me wrong, she still thinks that that church is out to get her. It's been 25, 30 years ago, and I still get phone calls from this particular woman saying that that church still steals my money. I had a job interview, but that church got in there and told that employer not to hire me. I lost a job because of that church. I had an inheritance that was coming to me, but that church, that pastor, they somehow got in there and, and, and they stole the money that was coming to me. How does that person ever get to that place? They give in to the thought and they start talking it. And that woman lives in bondage today. She lives as like she's a hermit. She doesn't have friends. She doesn't have life. She doesn't have health physically and emotionally why because she gave into the thought and began to express it with her mouth and she took hold of the thought in her life amen now once again why is it that we find ourselves getting into anxiety and worry in our life because we're looking to live life oftentimes better than where we're at we're looking to have experiences of increase and, and, and living easier and better in our life. And so therefore we're looking to substance and things in our life. And because we feel like we can't control those things, all of a sudden we start to look at what we don't have, what we think we should have, or where somebody else is. And we, again, allow ourselves to get anxious, to be worried, to be stressed. But once again, notice what he says here in the Word of God. He says, Who by worrying can add one cubit to a stature. So once again, that tells me where we find ourselves getting into anxiety and worry is when we're looking to add to our lives to be better. And God said there's nothing wrong with that. But in the process of trying to live a better life, if we allow anxiety and worry to creep in as though we have to try to do it of ourselves then we find ourselves getting in distress, into worry, into anxiety. Amen? Amen. And then he says this. He says in verse 30, he says, Oh, you of little faith. So what that tells me is that it don't take a whole lot of faith to turn your life around. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith to turn the anxiety around. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith to begin to live the right way. And he gives us a clue. If he says, don't think, don't take thought, don't worry, then he's got to give us something in exchange. The Bible says this. 
The Bible says this over in, in fact, if you will, turn over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. doing all right this morning? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Well, it help if I'm in Philippians. There we go. Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Notice once again, he says, be anxious for some things. Be anxious for the things that are real big. Be anxious for the things that you don't have control over. He says, be anxious for nothing. And then he goes on to say here in verse 7, it says, And let the peace of God, which guards your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Notice it says, to guard your, your heart and your mind. Where does your thought life take root in? In your mind, in your thoughts, right? And then he goes right on to say this in verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure... Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is anything, or if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. So here's the thing. God didn't just say to you, don't be worryful, or don't be, don't worry, don't be anxious, and then just leave it at that. He says, listen, I want you to not be anxious, but you gotta think on the right things. Are you here this morning? How many of you married? Where's your hand? How easy is it to think of the negative things about your spouse? How much easier is it to think the good things of your spouse? Or let me ask it this way. Which is easier to think of the negative things or to think of the positive things? For most people, it's probably easier and we're quicker to see and point out the negative things rather than the good things, right? And what comes next? We start opening up our mouth and we start giving attention to the negative things versus the positive things. How many of you have ever noticed that camping on the negative and talking about the negative things of your spouse creates such a peaceful, loving, joyous environment in your home? I mean, you walk in and you can cut it in the air like, whoa, so much love, so much peace in this house. No. So that means that I have to purpose to give thought to and think on the right things and give voice to the right things. Think on these things. Right? I said think on these things. The enemy's going to come and give you every negative thought to think on, but you'll have to choose to stop the thought. And the only thing that you can do to stop the thought is to purpose to think of something Good, right, positive. 
And he goes on to say this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that you worry about will be added unto you. And let me just help you out with that verse. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you're a child of God, the Bible says that you're already righteous. So you don't have to seek something that is already yours or what you are. So the translation or the definition, if you will, of righteousness is rightness or the right way of doing things. Or we could say it this way, the system of God. So God's system for us or the right way to do the right thing with God to experience all those things being added into our life is to do what God's system says to do. And that is, do not worry, but choose to think on the right things. How is it that you can stop the emotions? By choosing to think the right thoughts and to say the right things. So if he says this, do not take anxious thought, but do think on these things. Do not engage your mouth in saying these things, but engage your mouth in saying these things. If he gives us clear definition as to what not to do and what to do, then do we ever have an excuse to feel sorry for ourselves? Never. But you don't know how I've been feeling. You don't know all the things that I've went through. You don't know how I've just been struggling with my emotions and my feelings. You never have an excuse because he's told you how to change it. Now, I don't mean to be crude and be insensitive here, but ladies, well, you just don't know. It's that time of the month. If you went through what I went through, you would be feeling the way that I feel. We never have an excuse. You can choose. Now, again, I'm not saying life is easy, and I'm not picking on women as well. Because us men, I'm going to only speak to myself. When I am not feeling well, when sinus stuff starts working like it is right now, how you feel it, it's real easy to get grumpy. It's real easy to get negative. It's real easy to, 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 to bite at the family that's closest to you, right? But regardless of how I feel, whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, or I look to something to give me an excuse to feel and to think and to say what I say, then you totally violate God's word. And God says you never have a right, you never have a reason, you never have an excuse. Now that's tough preaching, I know. But that's where God says, in that is where you begin to experience fruit in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Now, that being said, I know I finished kind of with a strong note. Now, guys, I did not give you ammunition to turn to your wife and say, well, you heard what pastor said. 
Don't you even dare give me another excuse because of how you're feeling. No, listen, that's not what I'm talking about. To feel, to have physical symptoms, to have thoughts is to be human. Man or woman. But what we do with that is entirely up to us. We've been talking the last few weeks about our past, about things that we've experienced. If you live in the past and let it dictate and determine your present, you're destined to recreate the same thing in your future. Choose to not give in to the thoughts by saying, You might say, you know what, there's some things that I'm trusting God for. I'm believing God for increase. I'm believing God for jobs. I'm believing God for health in my body. I'm believing God for that new house. I'm believing God to have a baby. I'm believing God to find that special person in my life. You might be looking and seeing what is not taking place, but you might be failing to see what God's trying to do in your life. God may identify and say, you're not ready right yet. You're not ready for that special person. You're not ready for whatever it might be because I need you to be here. Well, rather than feeling sorry for yourself and saying, God, how come? Or God never seems to do for me. Or it just seems like I always got an unfair deal in my life. God's needing you to hook up your mouth with God's faithfulness. My God is faithful. My God is faithful. My God is faithful. My God is faithful. There's so many times that we feel like we're losing control. Losing people around us. We so tightly cling to relationships for the fear of being alone at times. And because out of that place of loneliness, we allow our thought life and our words to keep us in unhealthy scenarios. But God wants us to be free. Amen? I said God wants us to be free. He wants your life to produce fruit. I want us to be a church that is known for our joy, for our love, for our peace. I don't want our church to be the church that talks just like everybody else. All Flint's going down and there's no hope for us. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. Oh, well, you know that statistics say that marriages only 50% of them last and that even goes in the church not here I said not here we've got healthy marriages we've got healthy families we've got healthy children why? because we choose to think the right way we choose to talk the right way amen lastly you say well you don't know where I'm living you don't know what's going on if your purpose to hook up with God you'll see that your words begin to give God something to work with and turn the circumstance in your life. 
Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for what you're doing. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, we are stop, stopping right now giving ourselves permission to live lives full of worry, full of anxiety, full of stress. God, I thank you that right now we're, we're putting ourselves on notice that we will not continue to think the way that we've thought. Thinking that we're disadvantaged. Thinking that life isn't fair. Thinking that, God, we're second rate, second best. But no, God, you've said that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You said that our God shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. You said that you've come to give us life and life more abundantly. So, God, we choose to agree with that. God, we thank you that our marriages are full of life and peace and joy. God, I thank you that we as husbands, we are becoming and are being the men of God and the leaders of our homes that you've called us to be. God, I thank you that wives are becoming the the women of God that you've called them to be. God, I thank you that we're not making excuses and looking to substance to numb the pain and to have a good time, but God, looking to you to be the fulfillment of our joy and Lord, putting us over in life like never before. God, I thank you that we're free. Free from anxiety, free from worry, free from stress. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship God one last time before we go. Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life